Welcome to the Unabashed Gaming Podcast, where we talk about all things tabletop RPG. This week, I'm on the mic with Susan Stewart again as we brain dump a veritable truckload of setting ideas, plot hooks, and gaming memories right into your earlobes. Enjoy. We are at episode 25 of um, Unabashed Gaming. Yeah! My name is David Schimpf. And I'm Susan Stewart. And tonight, we're doing something a little special, a little different tonight. We're doing what I want to call brain dump. I like it. I think that's entirely accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, essentially what is a uh, just like an extended version of our favorite segment of the show, Campaign Pipe Dreams. I love it so much. Yeah. It's great. I'm excited about doing this. Mm, indeed. So I, this wish, week, I wish Larkins was here I know. to also brain dump with us, but that's all right. Perhaps he'll speak pipe us, you know, for our next episode with some of his ideas, and oh. we, can, we can riff off of that for a few That would be lovely. Minutes. Do an episode and a half. Exactly. <laughs> so yes, if, uh, if you haven't figured out yet, brain dump is us dumping a bunch of settings, plot hooks... All sorts of stuff, right on to you, our listeners. Like random ideas. For games, for sessions, for campaigns, for one-shots. You know, this is just something that you'll move forward with, or will move forward with. Just, you know, getting the creative juices flowing. Yeah, you're like, man, I've got a game tomorrow. I have no idea what to make them do. We have got you covered. That's right. All you know is that you don't want to run standard Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> That's right. You need something interesting that is better than go into the goblin lair and kill some goblins. Exactly. So, you want to start us off, Susan? Sure. Okay. Let's do it. All right. I don't think I've mentioned this one before. I think we discussed it with uh, Larkins after an episode. But mm. Exploding candy... Murdering children. Oh, yes. Or exploding candy-murdering children. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's some different things going on there. Exploding candy-murdering children? Yes. (laughs) So, you know, are the children murdering exploding candy? Is exploding exploding candy-murdering children? children. You don't know, but you get to pick. So you're going to use that for a campaign. Definitely. And there's all sorts of genres that can happen with that. You can make it super grimdark and, like, have some horrible serial killer using that to kill children and then... Yeah, you could run it and... Stuff them and mount them on his wall. Yeah, it could be like a World of Darkness game. Yeah, yeah. I guess you could go a little lighter fare with some uh, monsters and other childish things. Definitely. Yeah. That would be right up monster and other childish things, Allie. You know, it could be Dungeons and Dragons if you want. Could come to a town and all the children are dead. Could possibly even be like Apocalypse World where you're like in the oh, yeah. midst of the apocalypse. Where the apocalypse is exploding candy. <laughs> the apocalypse is exploding candy. <laughs> like it. Yeah. Yes. I, I think that might be... Uh, <laughs> that is just rife with uh, with possibility. Yeah. I think it'll be... It would be fun for somebody, especially if you have really... Uh, if you have really sensitive players. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and you want to make them really sad. Or really uncomfortable. Or really uncomfortable. Start talking about murdering children, and they bam, right there. Watch them clam up. Yeah. They might even start crying, which is a good thing. It is. Man, imagine making your players cry. By not killing their characters. Right? Wow. Seriously. Mm. Pretty good. Yeah, children's always a sensitive topic with most people. Yeah. I don't think our game, our group... Has that trigger. No. But we're a bunch of callous. Well, you know, I think cynical. our I think our tipping point was when Robert was running his Call of Cthulhu game and we were trying to fist the baby. <laughs> I mean, after you say that combination yes, of words and yes. then roll for it, it's kinda hard to step back around. <laughs> Just saying. That's true. Yeah. I, I forgot about that entirely. Yeah. yeah. So if uh, yeah, that's that's one of the joys of the the Call of Cthulhu system. They don't have the work, they don't have the skill punch. They have the skill fist. fist. 
Yeah. So you could fist a gangster, or you could fist an infant, or you could fist a shoggoth. Yeah. Not suggested to do any three of those, really. But maybe... It might come up. You never know. Yeah. You never know. Sometimes it's the only way to save someone else's sanity. Indeed. Indeed. Mm. All right. So... That ended in fisting babies. What's your next one, Dave? All right, well, What's your my, first one, I should say? My first one came from listening to the, uh, to the Ken and Robin Talk About Stuff podcast. Mm, and yes. uh, they were mentioning... I'm not sure if this was the episode where they were talking about um, playing or running games that have a basis in reality. But they mentioned talking about... Um, or they talked about a game or at least a setting where like the... Uh, Oh, no, no, they, they were talking about uh, histor- playing historically and how people don't really want to do that because there's so much, um, like, segregation and racism and classism and sexism. Well, that's why it's interesting, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, <clears throat> I can, uh, I mean... I have whole other reasons why I find historical gaming boring. Yeah. <laughs> but, Those um, are not them. Yeah, but they mentioned uh, what really kind of stuck with me was the uh, the concept of, uh, of like, religious totalitar- totalitarianism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, I envisioned a game that's kind of like in the Spanish Inquisition where, like, one very Ooh, yes. prominent religion was just, you know, steamrolling everything and, you know, really trying to absorb everyone into the fold and doing terrible, violent, horrible things to people who didn't. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I kind of I saw that and I crossed it over with, like, 1984 and Fahrenheit. And um, so I could... You know, good dystopian novels. Exactly. <laughs> so I thought about, like, running a game like that in, like, the standard Dungeons & Dragons setting where, That'd like... That'd be super fun. You know, everyone wants to be, like, a really good hero, but at the same time they're just in this really crap sack world where <laughs> only one god it holds sway and, and, like, you know, he's, like, totally just driving under the other gods and there's they're all underground... Um, but you know, I also figured if you wanted to go a little bit more uh, more gritty than a uh, because sometimes you know when when people start playing D anD D they really want to get pulpy and not really that grim dark. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I, thinking, I force them into the grim dark. And yeah, just shove their faces in it. Just, just <laughs> trample them down into it. Just murder some children and right. they'll be good. Be in if, the mood. <laughs> but if you really wanted to like alternate, you know, into something yeah. that would uh, into like a system that would probably force them to just view it all through that, you know, grim dark lens, if mm-hmm. you want to call it that. <laughs> you could uh, you could run it in, like, Dark Age Cthulhu, or even, like, Magic World BRP, where, you know, the system is just as deadly as the, uh, the setting itself. Mm-hmm. So that kind of, like, incorporates those concepts. So, like, I was thinking... Uh, or you could just totally mess with your players' minds and multiply everybody's hit points. Mm. Not not your players, just all of your monsters and everybody. Oh yeah. <clears throat> multiply their hit well, you know. Put, and give them weird immunities to stuff. Put Dungeons and Dragons monsters into a Call of Cthulhu game. <laughs> and see yes. how a bunch of like twelve hit point players do against a three hundred and seventy two hit point dragon. I love it. Yeah. Yes. That's how a dragon fight should go. That's how they should be. Yes. But yeah, I was thinking for like plot hooks, you know, uh, well, at least in theme wise, you know, you would, you would have the obvious things of control and abuse of power, but then, you know, maybe some undercurrents of freedom. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking for like a plot hook, maybe having like a subversive revolution starting like the Whisperer campaign going on and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like secret meetings and, you know, people, you know, m- you know converging after midnight and then, like you know, you've you've got the you've got this really bad regime trying to stamp it out, but sort of losing. And then you realize that you know the uh, this revolution that's coming up is actually like a worse god than what's actually in the uh, what's actually you know established as the centralized religion. Nice. So it's it's kind of the yes. choice between the two evils where love it. You know, you can try to overthrow it and use the anarchy in the meantime to set up a better situation, or just go with the flow, or you can just go straight evil. Mm-hmm, sometimes, mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. you just want to go straight evil. Yeah, everyone, everyone is a cultist. Why it's, not? Yeah, we would give everybody a chance to be that anti-paladin they've always wanted to be. Exactly. You can you can really stick it to some of the really good NPCs in your campaign, and I just air quoted good. Yes. Um, just by you know siding with the greater evil instead mm-hmm. of the lesser evil. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe you want to, you know, maybe they want to be super, you know, uh, good and, you know, paragon about things and, you know, try to, try to take the nicer road. Mm-hmm. And that's where you dash their hopes to the wind. Yes. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So that kind of, uh, 
That kind of. I want to play that now. It sounds awesome. I know that was like the start of creative juices. I got all sorts of good campaigns all around now. It's it's so good. I saved the best for last. Excellent. Yeah. So what's your next setting? All right. So uh, let's see what we got here. I mean, we did that one. Let me check these off. Mm. No, I don't repeat. Indeed. So. All right. So. <clears throat> this is another one I've already discussed uh, with you a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, it's a Cthulhu ah. campaign idea because I haven't, I haven't played the new Cthulhu. I've only played the one that's just BRP right. with cats, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, but anyway, it's based off of this book I read called Book of Night with Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this book, cats are actually like wizards. Mm. And uh, there's a few people wizards, but, like, not really. And most of them are actually children because mm-hmm. children are, like, more connected right. um, with, uh, with their imagination and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so these cats are basically protecting the world. Mm. And, uh, and they're protecting it from evil, which is represented by lizards and, and snakes and whatnot. Okay. And so there's also this, like, parallel world that you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the cats go into it, they, like, get supersized. They're, like, saber-toothed tigers. It's very primordial. Oh, man. And then evil, then, would be dinosaurs. Oh. And you know me. I love anything dinosaurs. Indeed. So um, so this can make a really great uh, Cthulhu campaign, I think, that would get your players out of the idea of just sitting in sunspots and grooming themselves. And trying to use the wash skill over and over again. Yes, which yeah. is generally what our Cthulhu games have always degraded to. Yes, they end up <laughs> they end up collapsing into what we like to what we affectionately call cuddle puddles. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, uh, so this is a way to actually give them something to do by giving them a little magic, and uh, you know, there's all sorts of great plot hooks that can then fit into that. You think of anything that would go for your average wizard adventurer. Mm. You could do with the cat. But then you also have the obstacle of their owners. Like, how the hell do you get out of this apartment Mm. if they want you to be an indoor cat all of a sudden? Right. You're going to find a way. Exactly. Because you are a primordial creature who... Because you're a magic cat. Who transcends. (laughs) So... Stealing that idea from whoever wrote the book of Night with Moon. It's been a long time since I've read it, but it's really stuck with me. It's a good mm. <clears throat> And, like, another interesting part of this book that you can also steal for your campaign mm. is uh, that evil could, like, inhabit dinosaur skeletons. Oh. And make, like, giant dinosaur skeletons like run around and kill everybody. That is horrifying and amazing. Yeah, because yeah. there's we have a lot of dinosaur skeletons on display. Yeah, we really do. Yeah. Yeah. What if they, like, combine to form some sort of, like, dinosaur skeleton tornado? That would be horrifying and awesome. Yeah, I know, right? Yes. It'd be, like, evil Power Ranger dinosaurs. Seriously. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good time. Well done, Dave. All right, what's next one? Well, actually, talking about Cthulhu makes me remember a Cthulhu game that I tried to run on the air once. Um, oh, yes, I did miss that one. Yeah, it was uh, it was eh, successfully run in, in the sense that, you know, no one really died, mm-hmm. but unsuccessfully run in the sense that we brought on a bunch of bad players to... Uh, well, not bad players, just new players who weren't really familiar with... Uh, the concept of role playing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. So they weren't really very focused, and we were in a very t- a very brief time slot. Right. So I had to like rush through the last five minutes of the game, and once again, after like, I think it's like the third or fourth Call of Duty game I've tried to run on the air, where I had to speak at like auctioneer speed <laughs> just to like give some sort of you know gratification to my players mm-hmm. themselves, if not mm-hmm. like a denouement for the mm-hmm. uh, for the game itself. But um, it was a Cthulhu session where um, humanity was being, uh, like, pacified by cat videos on the internet. Yes, very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Nara Lathotep was, was taking the form of a bunch of different internet cats 
and stealing the life energy of humans through YouTube cat videos. Nice. And the most powerful of these, which I never really got to flush out because mm-hmm. this was originally going to be like a longer campaign that I was going to run, was Maru the cat. Uh-huh. Oh, man, I love Maru. Yeah, so like it would, it would be this like entire sort of, you know, overarching plot line of like, like an eventual like reverse Tokyo uh, jungle, if anyone's ever played that game on the PlayStation Network. Essentially where... Um, well, it wouldn't really, really be a reverse Tokyo jungle. It would be like sort of in the vein of that, where humans kind of disappear, but animals take over. Uh-huh. Because all humans are doing is like, you know, lounging on their beds and in like easy chairs and just watching like YouTube videos on like iPads and laptops. Um, so it started out like really kind of creepy like that with uh, with like one of the cats getting, you know, stumbling on their owner and seeing them like super lethargic and kind of collapsed on their keyboard but still clicking like next video. Uh-huh. Um, and it eventually was supposed to like move into the dreamlands where they would like mm. confront Narlathotep and like banish him from, you know, the web, the, from the blogosphere and the YouTube <laughs> sphere. And it would be very, it would very, be very cathartic for like players who, uh, who, you know, really enjoy those types of videos on YouTube. Totally. But um, <clears throat> eventually I just kind of had to scrap it and, uh, well, not scrap the entirety of it, but just scrap the concept of that and sort of take them to a variation on the um, the story of the Cats of Ulthar, where they go to the Dreamlands, but there's, like, this terrible house that's, like, trying to kill cats and this capturing cats and such. Um, so it's uh, it wasn't really a terrible, you know, shoehorn. It didn't really mm-hmm. end too badly, at least in my concept. But just sort of uh, just thinking about what could have been in, like, this great campaign where you'd see, like... Kind of where, uh, kind of what you kind of wanted to see, where, you, where you see a uh, a reduced interaction or interference from humans, as like the streets were slowly taken over by like feral dogs and cats, mm-hmm. as you know the felines struggled to temp- like to save their humans and like you know restore like the remainder of humanity. Regretfully, that didn't really come through. But if you guys want to do it, that'd be know, great. Yeah, yeah, that would also be fun. It would be. Uh, hmm quite the experience to uh, to go through but um so yeah that was just something that your uh, your cat people campaign reminded me of fabulous yeah that's the whole point of this so we just exactly. come up with more stuff yeah even though we've both brought quite the list indeed yeah so um my next actual setting that i wrote down <laughs> that i was gonna that I would have talked about if you hadn't talked about Cthulhu mm-hmm. was um so there's this um I, like every game I've ever played where you know you're always uh, it's always somewhat in a civilized setting so you know you either have you know a ta- you know you have like medieval civilized mm-hmm. where it's you know medieval well or essentially medieval fantasy civilized where you have you know cities and towns and merchants or like you know it's modern times where obviously we have our current civilization or it's future or we have future civilizations I was thinking about how it would be to roll it all the way back to like the stone age where players are, like, the second or third generation of, like, intelligent versions of their species. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's very small tribal atmosphere, uh, you know, stone and flint weapons, snare traps, you know, the, the themes of, like, survival and, like, fear of the dark mm-hmm. and, you know, just Stone Age invention and, like, <clears throat> the safety of community. And um, so I, I really kind of like the concept of that, where um, where you're sort of like creating the history, like the very beginnings of history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of thought of using the uh, the free PDF Dawn of Worlds for that, along with maybe like a like a D and D version, mm-hmm. where um, you know you, you start off at least in you know Dawn of Worlds. Well, we'll explain. We uh, we did. It oh, once. is that what we played? Yeah. Okay. Essentially, Got it. Dawn of Worlds is a is a free PDF that allows for like fantasy world or any type of world really generation. And it goes through like these fairy phases or eras where you know you start with the with like the inception of the land and the races, and then it moves along to like some of the earlier civilizations in the next generation. And then it moves on to like uh, intercon like intercontinent you know conflict and and treaties and such in like the third generation. So I was thinking just like scrolling that back to like first or second generation where those first races just emerge from, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. and they have to, you know, get along with other humanoid intelligent races or, you know, they have to, uh, they have to just, you know, fight to survive on their own. So I thought that would be kind of like a cool concept for, uh, for like a really, um, a really non standard D and D session. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where, uh, where like the biggest, you know, threat is like this apex predator that comes in 
that like you know it, it doesn't have any natural predators and it's like taking away all your food yeah so you have to you know you have to decide whether or not to to relocate or to like actually take down this predator yeah and you know suffer the consequences as the uh whatever it was hunting you know starts to flourish uh-huh. so <clears throat> yeah really getting that idea of like if you want to be at the top of the food chain, you've got to you've got to earn it. Yeah, you've got to scramble for it. <laughs> you don't have generations of people doing that before you. Yeah, exactly. It's, like it. You're, you are the first person to conquer, you know, a, a Tarrasque or even like a dragon or something. And like, you, uh, you know, it would be themed in, in such a sense that, you know, dragons aren't these like mystical creatures of legend. Dragons are these what the fuck are these things uh-huh. creatures that you know they're flying through the sky and darkening your village and you don't know what the hell it is and they might burn you down mm-hmm. they might not yeah. you don't know you don't know you don't even know that they can cast fire <laughs> you have to you have to literally be the person like the group of people that find out that dragons can breathe fire interesting or other elements yes. and you have to find out how to you know what their weaknesses might be and what their diet is and like really kind of take it back to like before there were monster nomicons or monster manuals mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at least for like players where you you have absolutely no idea what this is there is no lore check that you can make mm-hmm. to tell you what mm-hmm. a dragon is yes. so that would be a lot of fun as a gm to like describe things that are uh common knowledge in gaming yeah. but from the point of view of never having encountered it before. Right, so you don't yeah. use those. You don't use the buzzwords dragons yeah. or, you know, beholders. It's all, you know, giant winged worm-headed creature with sharp talon claws that his head explodes in flames when you approach him. Yeah. So, yeah, that kind of uh, that's kind of like a cool concept for me to think about. Imagine how evolution of, <clears throat> of people would have changed if there were dragons involved. Right? Fire would be have a totally different source. Tieflings would be like the dominant life force on, on the planet. <laughs> what with their uh, with their fire resistance. Right, right, right. Yeah, mm. very good. Yeah, and you know you could bring in. Uh, that makes interesting uh, idea for like why don't more tieflings dragon hunt? Right, like red dragon hunt anyway. Yeah, seriously, it seems natural. Like that seems like something they would be really good at. Yeah. Right. But it's too much work. Yeah, two things are kind of lazy. I mean, they probably prefer <laughs> killing stuff that goes down after one stab. Yeah. I mean, they like go kill some fire ants. Yeah, you know, like the stab to gold <laughs> ratio on dragons probably isn't worth it that much. <laughs> stab to gold ratio. Yeah. I love it. Like, I mean, you can stab a human merchant, like a wealthy one, and he'll go down just as fast as a human peasant. That's right. But he's got a lot more gold on him. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Just gotta watch out for his mercenaries. Yeah, exactly. If you're sneaky enough, it's not a problem. Oh, definitely. But yeah, I thought it would be cool to uh, to set that up. Maybe uh, run like a generation skipping game mm-hmm. where like you establish like your your player characters in Stone Age like establish a settlement, and then like you skip a hundred years later and it's like this you know maybe like this thriving thriving trading town. Mm-hmm. And I like that know, idea. Yeah, so it it like progresses as the game goes, and it's might be pretty interesting to to see how that might work out. So you kind of switch back and forth between having like really focused in on everybody playing a character. Yeah. And then you'd kind of zoom out basically and do the Donna World stuff. Yeah. And then go back in for the next stage. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, pretty much. I like it. Yeah, it would work out. Be uh, fun. It would work out pretty well, I think. It'd be like a little like Pendragon, but on a bigger scale. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. Who knows? Character people might have a little bit more uh, more investment in it too, because they're actually, you know, in Pendragon, you're kind of given like a manor, and sure you build it up a little bit, but you're not really responsible for like the founding of it, the location of it, mm-hmm. and like the establishment of its culture. So who knows? Like it might uh, it might inspire a little bit more, you know, in depth thought about uh, about civilization, and, you know, how to run a game with that. Mm-hmm. I like so. it because I think you could. I think people would really get invested, like, if they wanted their civilization to thrive, Mm. you know, if they wanted humanity or whoever they're going to play to be dominant, like, you have to take some steps to make that happen. Absolutely. I think you'd get a lot of player buy-in for that. Yeah. It's a good idea. I would say so. I like it. Sweet. Well, that'll segue well into my next set. I'm going to give you a set of plot hooks now. Oh, really? That are all dragon-related. Awesome. Because 
you know, we've talked before about how there's just not enough dragons in gaming. Really, Let's face it. For, really for the, the <clears throat> supposedly most popular role-playing game, having dragons in the title, mm-hmm. you'd think there'd be more dragons. Yeah. But, uh, it's anyway. Really, it's really unbalanced. Yeah, so I thought of some ways you could add dragons into your campaign. Absolutely. Um, that would be fun. So the first one is you could have... Uh, you could have a dragon courier getting shot down, like, right in front of the party. Mm. So, uh, so probably the rider's gonna die. Probably. Maybe with his dying breath, he asks the party to continue his delivery. They don't have to. They don't even know what it is. Maybe it's something super important. Maybe it's something they could loot. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's possible the dragon survives the fall, Mm. the crash, somehow, Maybe they get to ride a dragon all of a sudden to oh, continue man. this delivery. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe they can pretend that they killed a dragon. Mm. Maybe it's not common knowledge that there's dragon careers yeah. in the world. And it's some secret dragon riding cult Yeah, that's had a courier going. And so they can just be like, man, we just killed this dragon. Take all sorts of fame Also, and this dude is totally unrelated. Yeah, he just. <laughs> we, we tried to save him from the dragon. Yeah. But he fell from a very great height. <laughs> yeah. So that could be tons of fun. Yeah. And, you know, lead to a whole, uh, a whole campaign. You could have some espionage in there. You could just have your average delivery quest in there. You could. All sorts of things. Go with that one. Yeah, you could be forced into a grand quest a la, like, uh, I'm not sure if it's actually the fable is Jack the Giant Slayer, but you know where the where the kid pretends to have like killed three in one blow, and everyone assumes he means giants, yeah. so he gets on a sent on a quest to kill more giants. And then he's just then he's not. Just not that, <laughs> he's just not that good at it. Exactly, exactly. It could be great. Yeah. So yeah, you could add a little. Uh, sorts of fun stuff today. Yeah. I like where you're thinking, Dave. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, a long time ago, I get a lot of ideas, great ideas from books. Mm. A long time ago, I read a book that was not very good, but had dragons in it, so I read it, mm. that uh, <clears throat> where dragons didn't just, like, hoard treasure. Okay. They just liked to collect things. Hmm. And so every, every dragon's hoard... Was like different. Was like a different kind of collection. So dragons were like standard hoarders. Yes. In this. Exactly. Oh man. So like, <clears throat> some dragons like one dragon liked to collect shoes. Hmm. You know, <clears throat> have another dragon that really likes scented candles. Oh yeah. You know, so you could have your adventurers have this grand quest. To go plunder a dragon's horde. And if your players are anything like our players, they will spend hours planning the best way to plunder this horde without actually having to fight the dragon. Seriously. So then they get there, and it's just like a cave filled with scented candles. Yeah. Now, they could despair in that is not filled with gold. Or they could start a scented candle shop. That's exactly right. Yes. They could become... The most amazing scented candle merchants. Scented candle emporium. Yes. Mm. <clears throat> so, so that could be really fun. It falls down onto player ingenuity. I mean, that's right. Yeah, sometimes you if really you gotta, if you want to push your players to think outside the box a little bit, you got to give them stuff to think about. That's right, and nothing like overwhelming disappointment. Yeah. Uh, works yeah. to light a fire under their bums to think more creatively. Exactly. Yeah. So, nothing like the prospect of fat loot. Right. Or, you know, mad ducats really, really brings yeah. them into uh, into creative mood, like yeah. uh, like trying to make all the money in the world off of scented candles. Yes. Or rubber duckies. Yeah. Or just bookshelves. Yes. <laughs> Not even books. Just bookshelves. Yes, just bookshelves. They're a fan of carpentry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So they get there and they're like, it's already been looted. <laughs> and someone like, you know, makes an appraise skill and they're like, this is a really nice bookcase. Yeah. <laughs> like, perception check, really good. I don't think there's ever been a book on this bookcase. Right? Yes. This is a pristine bookcase. It is meticulously dusted every single day. Yes, a virgin bookcase, if you will. One would say. <laughs> they're worth so much more that way. <laughs> 
That's right. Never been violated by by a penny dreadful. That would totally, uh, totally also play on the trope of dragons kidnapping virgins. Oh yeah. Virgin bookshelves. Ooh. Ooh. Virgin candles never been lit. <laughs> right. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh man. So much. They smell better if they haven't been lit. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> That's all you gotta go with, guys. <laughs> yeah, if you can't make a fun adventure out of that, I'm sorry. You need to work a little harder on your creativity levels. <clears throat> anyway. <clears throat> you can also play a lot with the idea that dragons are really old. Like, they're, mm. or can be really old. They're older than any of the other races. Right. They should live much longer. Absolutely. Theoretically, an immortal lifespan. Then mm. they can be killed. You know. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> there could be a dragon that's the only person that's left alive that knows the truth of some situation. Oh, yeah. And there's all sorts of situations that this could be pertinent to. A battle, particularly. Mm. He could know, like, why it happened or who actually started it. Oh, yeah. Or how it actually ended. Maybe something weird happened to it happened in the middle and like nobody's alive to tell about it yeah. except this dragon so I have to go talk to the dragon mm. uh, I like having a lot of dragon quests that don't necessarily involve killing the dragon yeah cause anyway I totally did a dismissive hand gesture yeah you listeners shouldn't, you shouldn't kill every dragon you meet guys some you of them shouldn't, yeah. aren't so bad some of them just want to collect scented candles or virgin bookshelves right you don't know until yeah. you ask and some of them even pay for it Right? Yeah. Yeah. You could you could end up with a sweet gig with that dragon. Seriously. You, you could... just, like, go out and find those candles and bring them back to the dragon. You will be their personal acquirer. Yes. It's not like a dragon can't get gold. Yeah. You know. That's like... He just, like, they don't hoard it, you know. Because they spend it. He budgets it. Yeah. On that is, candles. That is like a business <laughs> for your entire extended family. Yes. Dragons will outlive your entire, like... <laughs> Dragons will outlive your great grandchildren, provided some dick doesn't show up with a sword and you know a will to kill. Yeah. So more on that last one. Like they could have been there for a trial and mm. known what actually happened, like the facts of the case. Yeah. Um. Like some grand, they were there for some grand magical experiment. Mm-hmm. Um. That could now be pertinent to saving their town. Or the country, or the world, depending on what level your adventurers are at this point. Yeah. Um, they could know the location of a lost city to find a MacGuffin or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a classic one. Oh, definitely. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> There's also... Uh, this one gets a little complicated. Oh, okay. Like it, but also involves multiple generations. Everyone pay attention. Yeah. So, this one I've actually... Uh, is. A part of my regular, like, fantasy setting. Mm. But I'm going to share it with you, Dave, and you listeners, because I like it. Uh-huh. And it'll probably never get uncovered because it's totally just about some NPCs that, like... Sweet. Aren't really that important. But it's part of my setting. Okay. So this, like, super powerful dragon lord, mm. however you want to have your dragon hierarchy work in your world. In my world, he's king of dragons. Um, he made a deal with someone <clears throat> that he would help them out to fight this war for them. And uh, they actually, and he actually gave them like a control rod or an orb or however you want, whatever magical artifact you want to make that could control a dragon. He gives it to this guy. <clears throat> In exchange, this guy is going to give him his first, the firstborn child of every generation. Okay. To basically be his assistant. Oh, okay. The dragon's assistant. Not his, is. like, every generational lunch. No. No, okay. just his assistant. All right. For, you know. <clears throat> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and so then there's a lot of, because this has then become a multi-generational deal. Hmm. There's a lot of intrigue that goes into it. So the guy who has this uh, control rod for the dragon mm-hmm. can lord it above the dragon's head because he does have ultimate control over this dragon. Right. But then this dragon has also been um, being a little tricksy, and maybe some of his offspring 
uh, have transformed themselves into people mm. and have actually uh, married into this bloodline. Oh. So now the bloodline also is dragon blood. And so while he, while they may have a control rod, they're also at the mercy of the king of dragons because mm. they have dragon blood. So there's right. some magical thing going on there. So it's mm. fun. So <clears throat> if you want to relate that to your PCs, they could just like stumble across part of this mess. And, you know, the well goes, the hole goes deep. Mm. Or, um,. They could be trying to take the control rod from the from the family that now has it because the guy's long dead. Indeed. And use it for their own purposes. Or maybe the dragon has hired them to go steal it. Mm. You don't know? Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Um, Wants his property back. That's right. Yeah. He's, he's done with all this bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like this new crop of this new crop of people. They're just, just not assistant material. Just not good. Yeah. Yeah. It's done. They're breaking faith. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that seems like a that seems very in like intricate and plotted out. Yeah, no, I have like ten pages of just this like backstory for that Damn. plot device. So if you guys want a document about the whole shebang, I'd be happy to type it up and share it. That's right. So just let us know via yeah. SpeakPipe or however else you want to communicate with us. Or comments or tweet at us. Yes. Yeah. Yes, oh. I'm very active on my Twitter, so that would be good. Yeah, I'd be happy to type that up because that, one, that one's good and it's really involved and fun, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Nice. Yeah. Um, so that's my set of dragon plot hooks. All right. So you're up, Dave. Okay. Mine's a little bit more cliched. It's actually uh, a result. I love result. cliches. It's good. It's the result of seeing something on Facebook. It's, it's essentially a, uh, a series of images that had to do with steampunk, Spider-Man, and various Marvel entities. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I thought of uh, I thought of a, like an interesting um, concept. Like, hey, that would be kind of cool to like because they'll never make a comic out of it. It'd be cool to make a game out of that. Mm-hmm. So you know, in steampunk, you know, Victorian England. You're, uh, you know, you've got Spider-Man, you've got all, like, the various, you know, people involved in the Spider-Man stories, maybe the Punisher, maybe some of the other, like, people who come in, and you've got to, like, each player chooses, you know, that particular character in the Marvel, you know, fantasy or universe Mm -hmm. that they want to play as, and in order to create their character, you know, they do standard character creation either in, like, Savage Worlds, you know, superpowers, or wild talents, and essentially, they, they have to figure out how, like, they use steampunk, steampunk technology to accomplish what the uh, what their, you know, superhero actually does. This is fun. Yeah. I just, like, I totally got lost in this vision of Spider-Man, like, repelling between Zeppelins. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Like a mob of Zeppelins having this epic battle. I guess fleet would be more accurate. Right. A fleet of Zeppelins having this epic battle. You just have Spider-Man... Whipping between all of them. Seriously, because you oh can, my God. You can incorporate all kinds of like you know international conflict, and you know have supervillains like hell. You know Doctor Doom. He's like in charge of an entire country. Who says he doesn't start like the original World War One like years early? Like who says that doesn't happen with like superpowered zeppelins and like mechanical spiders and all sorts of crazy shit? I like it. Can you imagine Doc Ock? <sighs> Octopus, steampunk style. Seriously. Oh my god, yeah. He's uh, half halfway there already. <laughs> yeah. Any of the like super scientists, I think, would really flourish in a steampunk setting. Yeah, and they have, you know, it's it's still a pretty consistent era of, you know, discovery. You've got like the original automobile, you've got like the telephone, the telegraph, mm-hmm. you know, all mm-hmm. sorts of really interesting stuff that you can really build off of. And utilize for, uh, you know, to either incorporate or, you know, use for, like, origin stories for superheroes. So I thought that would be kind of, like, an interesting way to get players who haven't really played, you know, superhero versions of, like, role-playing games into that by, you know, incorporating the, you know, traditional, you know, uh, setting fad of the, of the generation right now, which is steampunk. And, you know, just figuring out how, uh, how to incorporate a certain type of game into a certain type of genre... I like Zombra. Zombra? <laughs> I don't know where that word came from, guys. Zombra. <laughs> it's my new word. <clears throat> no, 
now I can't even think of the word I'm, I'm thinking of because Zombra is now taking over my mind. <laughs> genre. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> I like genre mashups. Oh, They're yeah. excellent. Superhero steampunk. Yeah. And already established superheroes, that would be very fun. Yeah, that way you wouldn't really have to worry too much about character creation because you've already got that aspect. But then, you know, yeah. everyone's super polite. <laughs> everyone everyone dresses polite. really nicely and wears monocles. <laughs> so, like, Spider-Man, instead of having skin-tight latex, is actually just in, like, a suit with some ruffles. Exactly. He might, he might have, like, you know, rolled-up sleeves and yeah. some suspenders on. But, oh, you know. suspenders, definitely. Oh, yeah. But, like, yeah. He would, you, you would see no bulge. He would be wearing very baggy, like, work pants. Right. <laughs> some nice slacks, yeah. you know. <laughs> nice. I like it. So, I really... Uh, That's so fun. I really think the concept of that is fun. It's been a while since I've run anything steampunk. The last thing I did was, uh, I believe, was steampunk GURPS. Oh, that was so much fun, Dave. Which... which <laughs> I think we all had so much more fun than you. Which was a lot very popular for my players. And I wouldn't mind going back to the setting, just not back to the uh, I understand. Not back to the core rules. GURPS is really overwhelming to run. Mm. I would not I would not be opposed to porting it over to something else. Yeah. It would be fun to revisit. I mm. liked my character immensely. Especially now that she's married to steampunk Prince Harry. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Now that she's like royalty. Now she's royalty. It'll be even more fun. I know. <laughs> you just get all kinds of good stuff now. <clears throat> now we can have royal hijinks. Could do like a ten years later where you're like, you know, you're you've got some little scamps running around. That you're yeah, no, ass. totally. They could be like my minions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like they're just as deadly as you are with a gun. Right. Yes. And, you know, Randy's character is like, like train them. This, this robot jocks league. <laughs> yes. And Maybe one of the kids also pilots a mecha robot. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or a couple of them because they're short, so like one of them runs the arms and the other one has to run the pedals. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <clears throat> it could be fun. It could be fun. It could be really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so let's... Yeah, so that's... Uh, <laughs> so that was a transition from Marvel superheroes to my um, steampunk... Steampunk's guide. Yeah, setting, which was kind of hilarious. I like steampunk, but you have to uh, you have to watch out that it doesn't get boring. Yeah. You know... I think just straight up steampunk is like yawn. Yeah. Whatever. You've but really like gotta... you throw in, you know, giant magical robots. And, I mean, bam, I'm sold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, you know, steampunk space. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. I know, that's kinda what you did with our GURPS game. Yeah. Some steampunk space. There was a little bit of space in there. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. And, uh, it seemed to work. There was never like a dull moment. There was always like an interesting set piece to. There was a lot of fire. That's what I remember. There was a lot of fire. You guys, you, I can't remember if you did or didn't, but didn't you almost burn down the World's Fair? I think you did. I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah. We almost burned down a lot of things. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Good times. Though. Yeah, we like we almost burned ourselves down in that base that we were. Oh, infiltrating and infiltrating uh, in uh, yes. Reykjavik or whatever. Yeah, it was. something like that. Yeah, uh, we were bad at infiltrating. Well, you're just gonna throw that out there. To be, <laughs> to be fair, your infiltrator tried to kill Scott and then left the game. It's true. Yeah, that's very true. So you know that aspect of it kind of fell apart. Yeah. In the world, I think we all tried to kill Scott at some point. It's true. When you've got a useless urchin just hanging about and he stinks, <laughs> it's kind of hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh. so stinky. <laughs> oh. So yeah, that's how to make a, that's how to make steampunk Victorian games interesting, guys. Just throw in ex- something else, fire yes. explosions, or just something else. Yes, superheroes. Yep, mm. I like it. Indeed. <clears throat> what do you got next? Okay, my next one. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do another couple because I've got just you know short little uh and these are kind of mystery themed though i didn't realize i had a group of mystery themed ones but like kind of creepy mysteries Hmm. so you could just start out that a mysterious package is sent to the players Hmm. do they open it well yes do they you don't know. Maybe. Like maybe they have a bunch of really paranoid players. Oh. And they could spend, you know, 3 hours discussing whether or not dealing the with how they're going to open this box or trying to figure out what's inside of it. Maybe in your game already they've made several enemies mm. that perhaps are known for blowing people up. Oh. Or sending poison 
or snakes in packages. Well, if it's snakes, then all you really have to do is just, you know, leave it for a while. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, <clears throat> beforehand, you as the GM should decide what is in it, mm-hmm. whether it is actually something horrible or not. Oh, yes. And then, uh, and then it is fun to keep track of how it would react to all the different ways the players try to make sure it's going to be safe when they open it. Oh, yes. For example, my guitar teacher always used to remind us that we should submerge Christmas presents before we open them in case they're a bomb. Submerge Christmas What if it's... <laughs> exactly. What if it's an electronic? Exactly. It's a bad idea. Yes. <laughs> you have to take your chances. Because, you know, you might be getting a new computer. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so then you can just take this idea and run with it. Mm. What would happen if they submerged a magical venomous snake for an hour? Poisonous water? Maybe. Maybe the snake gets so... Maybe the snake grows when it comes in contact with water. Maybe it And it explodes out of the package. Yes. Mm. There's so many options. Or maybe... One of their moms sent them cookies, and now they're horribly destroyed and, and useless. Yeah. Regretful. You don't know, but this will play on your player's paranoia mm. immensely. Ah, uh, yes. But as another interesting way, it can be a fun way to bring your party together. Oh. Perhaps this package is addressed to all of them, mm. and they don't really know each other that well. Hmm. So, you know, depending on what kind of genre you would be playing it in, yeah. maybe you're playing it in World of Darkness and you're looking at it and you're like, who the hell is Matthew Stein? Yeah. Isn't he in my math class? You know? Yeah. And then you have to go meet someone. And then you have to, yes, you have to assemble the party. It's a good way to start a campaign out without having a really boring, here's a quest you guys are going on. Yeah. It's... Here's a package that's dressed to all of you for some reason. Mm-hmm. Why? And why did the first person get it first? Exactly. Mm. Maybe they have something going on with the postal maybe they worker. S- maybe they're sending the package and they just put their name on it. Ooh, yes. Ooh. Super fun. Maybe it's a trick. Maybe it's a trick. It's a shuck and jive. Yeah. All right. So I think that one has a lot of possibilities. Mm-hmm. While being very simple. <clears throat> so my then my other mystery one, and I've played with this a little bit with you guys in uh, in Iron Kingdoms, mm. but I think everybody should throw it in at some point because it's fun. Okay. So a mysterious figure is just seen repeatedly watching the party. Mm. Just watching them. Yeah. Just staring at them. Yeah. Through a window. Through a window, yeah. All creepy-like. All creepy-like. Yeah. Yeah. So there's all things, sorts of things that can go with that, too. Maybe they're groupies. Oh. It's a groupie. Maybe it's... Kind of over-the-line groupie crossed into stalker territory. Maybe it's a private investigator hired to, you know, check up on him. I like that. It's good. Maybe it's Slenderman. Maybe it's Slenderman. It's usually Slenderman. Guys, nine out of ten times if someone's standing outside your window and staring at you, it's Slenderman. Yeah. But, like, the first couple times you'll mention this to your character, to your players, they won't think a lot of it. Mm. But they maybe show up in places they they couldn't be, or they shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. Or they wouldn't know about. Or they wouldn't know about, or, Mm. like... How did they manage to stand right there staring at us and not get charred by the dragon? Yeah. Or how come nobody else seems to see them except us? Mm. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, so, lots of fun. Also, makes me think of Adventure Brothers and the Grand Inquisitor. Inquisitor. Yes. Ignore me! Yes. Yeah. You could also throw that in there because that's fun too. Exactly. Yes. I also realized I have one that is also package-related. Oh, another package. So I might as well throw that in there, too. Okay. In this bunch. And I've already done this to you guys, and it turned out with... Wonderfully. ...better results than I could ever imagine. Oh, boy. So the PCs have to deliver a package. Oh, yes. Very straightforward. You know, very average first-level quest. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. But... They could find out in the way, or find out after, that 
they are actually delivering a bomb or poisonous gas or something that's basically a terrorist attack on a city and kills hundreds, if not thousands, of people. It's very Final Fantasy IV. Yes, very yeah. Final Fantasy IV. Mm. And, uh, and their reactions to this will be great. Because they'll get this package and probably receive instructions not to open it. Yeah. Uh, if they just like, oh, okay, delivering the package, do, do, do. Uh-huh. You can throw some NPCs at them that are trying to take the package. Mm-hmm. And will try to win the players over to their side and be like, no, seriously, it's horrible and deadly. And the world is going to end if you deliver that package. Yeah, but I got to get paid. I know, they're like, but we're getting paid. And you guys are just jerks. Yeah, you just tried to, <laughs> you like tried to kill us. I mean, we started it, but you tried to kill us after we tried to kill you first. Yeah. And that's just that's just not how you do business. Yeah, so this is like a great way to get people into a campaign again, um, in an interesting way. It does start with the very classic, here's your quest, go do it. But yeah. it very quickly gets complicated. And uh, you know, if maybe they do give the package to the people who try to intercept them. Yeah. And maybe they become part of this resistance effort that's um, exposing corruption in the government. Indeed. Maybe um, maybe they are actually the terrorists, and this was something that was being taken away from them, and, or like oh, delivered, delivered to, to proper authorities. Proper authorities, and they're actually Ooh. intercepting it so they can actually explode something. Indeed. Or maybe they do. They're like, man, we this, these people hired us, and we have integrity. We do our job. That's right. <clears throat> we do not open things. That's right. My alignment dictates that I take this where I'm told and I don't mess with it. Yes. And then they have to have a great struggle deep within them when they realize their alignment drove them... To do something really bad. To blow up everybody they know and love. Or just people you met who made really good meat pies. That's right. Or your favorite meat pie baker. Yeah. So sad. So sad. <laughs> All that was left of them was charred remains. Yes. All right, so that's a good set, I think. I would say so. Of mysteries that also will really grab your characters on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. Or your players on an emotional level, I should say. That is very true. Good way to get started. Good way to get everyone together. That's right. Yeah. Good way to just freak people out. Definitely. All right, I guess it's my turn again. Indeed. All right. Here's the last one I wrote down for the uh, for the game or for the uh, podcast tonight. Concept setting number four. Uh, it's an alternate world where you have various pirate clans competing for coin, prestige, and defending the borders of their territories. I like it. But the trick is that you've got three types of pirates. You've got the land pirates who are focused on terraforming the the planet itself Ooh. to like hedge out the uh, the space. Of the water pirates, or yeah, the, those guys. Yeah, because they're dicks. The they're sea pirates, shit. the sea pirates. They're all about causing natural disasters that make more land fall into the oceans. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have them both making alliances and you know breaking alliances and betraying each other because the third like faction is the air pirates. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say yeah. sky pirates. Who are same thing? Yeah, yes. <laughs> they basically rule over just about everything because you know their their domain is the sky. So there's not really too much that can that can like intrude on that. So you have like the various intrudes. mountains, you know, they yeah. <laughs> occasionally blow oh, yeah. up the mountains. You've got like giant land pirate conspiracies to raise, <laughs> you know, huge, you know, Mount Kilauea size or like K two mountains just straight up into the sky so that they can, you know, they can create like fortifications on top to attack the like the air pirates. Oh my! Oh, that's so much fun, and you could like have like shamans or something who have natural magic abilities. Yeah. That are like slaves or pets or lovers or whatever pirate rulers. Exactly. Yeah, and then you have you have these civilizations of like merchants and you know governments that are just trying to survive while all these like really super powerful pirate factions are both raiding them and pillaging them and stealing from them, but also either constructing or destroying or you know causing terrible you know natural disasters to in their in their combat against each other. So you have these cities that are being like half buried by oceans, or being like shifted and like rolled with the like the roiling grounds, or getting just raided by sky pirates all the time because all they want is money. So it it gets like really, it feels like it would get really you know interesting and like you know 
You can have so much like intrigue going on in that, along yeah. with action. Oh, it sounds fun. I also feel like you need to have a pirate Olympics as well. Ooh. <laughs> like I'm thinking of your um, your like master gladiator off that Ooh. we did in Dark Sun, where oh, there yes. was like an obstacle course and everything. That's right. Like that, but with pirates. Indeed. I think it would be really fun, and there's a lot of prestige that goes with winning the Pirate Olympics. Absolutely. <laughs> that could actually factor into one of the plot hooks that Ooh, I wrote, where it's, it's once a generation, the leaders of the three pirate guilds convene, and they bicker about, you know, all the land changes, yeah. and they have to hash out new maps and, like, territories and such. Man, you can make so much money being a cartographer in this world. I know, right? That right there could be, like, your time. whole campaign. Yeah. Just main quest line just is going just around making money being a cartographer yeah. build. Plotting, you know, <laughs> new changes to the land, having to go back where there are like natural disasters that have changed like the coastlines or, you know, created huge new rivers in the middle of, you know, giant continents or mm-hmm. enormous mountains that have erupted or like volcanoes trying to take out like a sky pirate carrier. Oh man. So I felt that that would be really kind of a cool concept for Dungeon World. Yeah, it would be just, perfect for Dungeon World. It's just so larger than life that you would really want to have that concept of, well, like, in Dungeon World they say pretty much everything can be a dungeon as long as there's danger and, like, an objective. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, any sort of contest in there, <clears> hell, <throat> just making a map could be a dungeon because you have to, you know, traverse this narrow ravine that has, like, this, you know, 300-foot gap or drop and, like, raging waters underneath that are frothing up and trying to, like, rise and take over the land. So you get re- you get these really interesting iconic set pieces just from you know basic geography. I like it. And um, you know perhaps there's like a like a plot line eventually after you know you've, you've done a little bit of work in the setting where like there's like a an airship like an air pirate corsair they get shot down in like neutral territory <gasps> and you know everyone's really suspicious and trying to find out who did it and you know all of a sudden like you're confronted by this fourth faction. The space pirates are, oh! are, like, coming down. Oh, man. So everyone's got to band together and, you know, like, repel this invasion from, you know, the stars, which no one expected anything to happen. So <laughs> it's... You forgot about them entirely. Yeah. So oh, man. This, yeah, like, really, you know, kind of, you know, throw, like, a monkey wrench and everything in all the plans and, like, make really strange changes and have everything be really bigger than life. And, you know, nothing's bigger in life in, like, role-playing games than pirates, pretty much. It's true. Because you, you just can't get more jolly than, than the jolly <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So that was, like, that was, like, my biggest kind of happy setting right there. Just the, I like it, Dave. Just that creation. We should play it. Get on it. I think you I... You said you are going to finish reading Dungeon World so we could play it. Let's get... Let's do it. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. I'm excited. That will be... I will try to make that my next <clears throat> setting, then. Pirate Wars. Exactly. Whatever. I'm sure you'll come up with a better name than that for it. Alright. So, let's see. I have one where... And this could work for a variety of settings. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could do this in Eclipse Phase. You could do this in Dungeons and Dragons. You could do this in um, World of Darkness. Whatever. Oh, yeah. I think it'll work for a lot of things. So, a group of mercenaries needs extracted from some dangerous, horrible situation. Okay. It could be... There's, um, they were fighting for some military, uh, group mm-hmm. on a planet. Yeah. And they need extracted from that planet because the whole thing is just going to be dead oh, yeah. soon. Um, it could be some zombie plague. It could be the hive of werewolves, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, that's the straight up version of it. Yeah. You could be being called in to extract these mercenaries, but they're actually going to be using you as a distraction so they can actually get out. Mm. And they're basically throwing you guys under the bus instead. Right. Players. Um, or, alternately, maybe they're uh, escaping something that's contagious, mm. and the they are actually infected when you rescue them. Absolutely. That's always fun. So some, you know, tropey goodness there. Definitely. That's super fun. Uh, let's see. 
Wow, my handwriting is really bad on this page. I <laughs> thought that said hobos for a second. It's actually robots. Oh, right. man. Hobo wars? Hobo robots. That would be fun. Oh, hobo wars. Giant space hobos. Giant space hobos. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> um, you can get a lot of fun ideas out of just scavenging a field of battle. Mm. I had a strange dream that led to this uh, plot hook that I don't remember most of it now. But, um, you know, like in Iron Kingdoms, mm. you could turn up... Uh, you could turn up some warjacks that are still active, maybe yeah. trying to kill you. You don't know. Possibly. Uh, you can find people who aren't quite dead mm. that need to need you to do them a last favor before they die. You can think that it is the weirdest looking battle ever, and wonder what the hell happened. Yep. And get embroiled in some mega technology that uh, will probably destroy everything you ever knew and loved. Ah, uh, yeah. It's a theme of a lot of my plot hooks. Destroying everything you know and love. Yeah. It's a players good do. Yeah. It, it is, and when it actually happens. Because a lot of times, players aren't, don't stop it. They get distracted by other things. Oh, yeah. And then everything they know and love is destroyed. And they feel bad. And that's good. It, they really should feel bad. You need to get some emotion involved, other than just bloodlust and glee. Oh, definitely. You need to have some sadness yeah. in your uh, in your games as well. Uh, let's see. And then the other one I have also could work for multiple settings, but I did kind of with the idea of Eclipse Phase in mind. Because, mm. you know. Because Eclipse Phase. Eclipse Phase. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, your players are uh, nosy and have no respect for personal property. Mm -hmm. If your players are anything like most players. Mm -hmm. They could very easily stumble upon some secret entrance that they are, they may be managed to hack their way into. Uh, Open up. Or, if you're playing this in fantasy, which you totally could, they bash the door down. Mm -hmm. Or your rogue manages to pick that lock or your wizard manages to unlock the magical lock whatever they get into a secret door Mm. and uh they maybe activate some sort of security system yeah when they know uh uh and so not only do they have to deal with the security system but they have also managed to infiltrate some sort of horrible secret organization if you're starting out an eclipse phase campaign Perhaps it's uh, it's a firewall meeting place. Right. Firewall being the secret society that fights existential threats like to the, humanity. Yeah, the Delta Green of, uh, of, of Eclipse Space. Yeah, exactly. And uh, <clears throat> and so then they have to also deal with this secret organization that's raining hell down upon them. Mm-hmm. Maybe they think. That the players took something or saw something that they didn't. Or maybe um, they did. Maybe um, they grabbed something and ran. Yeah, maybe Because they they're players. Yep. Yeah. Maybe they've got sticky fingers. Yep. Like, actually, in their morphs. Right. Or maybe they were set up, and someone managed to set them up to find that door, and they knew they were going to break into it. Uh, and yeah. they used the players breaking into the, uh, the base, or the clubhouse, or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm as a distraction for them being able to get in and take something that they needed to. And then your players are taking the blame. Mm. And they have no idea what anyone's talking about. They're like, we just found this door and we had to open it. Yeah. Just had to. Yeah, we got paid. We got paid and we're curious. (laughs) Yeah. So so that can open a whole bunch of doors of fun. Mm. I like intrigue and plots. Definitely. In my games exciting and also it's setting up some bad guys for them to just really hate just trounce yeah like you know what if you get blamed for somebody else stealing something awesome you are gonna hate that guy forever so much so much hate all the hate especially players if they're like you know especially when they find out what they did steal and they're like we could have stolen that and made a fuck ton of money seriously now this guy not only took that right out from under our noses. What a douche. But has blamed us for it. 
Yeesh. Yeah. So that could be a lot of fun. So much hate. Yeah. Also work for like a dragon den. Go yeah. back to the dragons. Mm-hmm. They could be the distractions so somebody could sneak in and yeah. steal something out of the dragon's hoard. Yeah. Dragon has no idea. None at all. Or maybe the dragon does know, but is making a big to-do so that he can send somebody out to get the other guy mm. without the other guy knowing he's being chased. Exactly. There's a lot of layers. Plots within plots. Yes, make it like an onion. Yep. You just keep adding layers. Make it cry. Make it cry, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple layers to my onion metaphor, Dave. Very good. That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. I think that's everything I came up with. I think that probably covers us, and that takes us past the hour. Fabulous. It's perfect. Absolutely. So with all that, we uh, we don't have any campaign, campaign pipe dreams for you this week. Or if we did, well, we usually do, but there's just no time for it. We pretty much gave you a bunch of them. That's right. But maybe that'll actually happen. We hope you guys use some of them in your games. Definitely. You know, twist them, put them on your head. On, on your head? Their head. Yeah. However it makes sense in your campaigns, and let us know how it turns out. Absolutely. Uh, contact information is at the end of the show, so feel free to uh, let us know if any of these helped you out. Once again, it's SpeakPipe, Twitter, and... Uh, commenting on our blog mm-hmm. and last but not least thank you so much for listening once again my name is David Shim and I'm Susan Stewart have a great one Just as a reminder to our listeners, we here at Unabashed Gaming love to hear from you. Head over to www.unabashedgaming.blogspot.com and leave us a comment. Or call our Lake Geneva, Wisconsin voicemail number, 262-729-9774. We also have a SpeakPipe link on our blog page. You can leave us a message directly through your computer's microphone or headset. Comments, questions, topic ideas, whatever you want to share with us, all is welcome. We hope to hear from you soon. Thanks.